everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Bombercast in 2022. It's been a while, a bit's happened, but it's great to be back. And I've got my uh, regular guest host, Bonser34, with me. Bonser, since the last time we caught up, we had a board upheaval. We sacked a coach, then we didn't sack a coach. Then we actually sacked him. We had three losses combining for about 190 points. An external review, a coaching process, and now we find ourselves here with a new coach. How are you going, Bonds? I'm well, thanks, Grizz. And if you told me at the start of the year that we would be having a podcast to discuss a new coach, I would have thought that we'd really, really taken an interest in the AFLW. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, um, worst case scenario, I suppose, like something ha- terrible happened to truck and you could argue something terrible did happen to truck, but um, that's been... Yeah, he was worst. employed by the Essendon Football Club. I think yeah. that was a, a terrible <laughs> thing that happened to truck. I th- yeah, I think it was a, a terminal condition of uh, Essendon coderitis um, where the coder is just getting into you and there's no cure. But um, unfortunately for truck, um, he was obviously removed after the Port Adelaide game and we can touch on that later if we want a little bit uh, the performances this year at different points were pretty poor. The GWS and Port Adelaide uh, losses, I think, were the, the feather and the cap of the anti-truck faction of the board. And, you know, once the board was sort of uh, overturned in the Byram uh, administration, it was probably a uh, long odds he was going to stay on, especially after, quote-unquote, internal whatever it was, review came back and no one was happy with it. I think you're right in saying that we, we probably don't need to touch too much on the on – the- on-field yeah. end of the season. Um, yeah. There's only so many ways. I think we've, we've said it repeatedly on this podcast. There's only so many ways you can say that we were crap. Um, and, and that's just essentially what we were. You know, we, we sat here at the start of the season with, with Rowan Connolly and he sort of mocked us because he thought we were being um, a little bit pessimistic about, about <laughs> Essendon's fortunes. And as it turns out, we we're actually probably being a little bit optimistic about Essendon's fortunes um, compared to what happened. And it was a pretty pathetic and disappointing way for, for Truck's time as a senior coach at Essendon to end. Um, you, you, you said it in your, in your intro, you know, we didn't sack him, we sacked, well, no, sorry, we sacked him, we didn't sack him, and then we sacked him. You know, it, whether you're not, you're an Essendon diehard, I think you have to agree that how the Essendon Football Club went around it was pretty bloody ordinary, especially since they seemingly decided to chase Alistair Clarkson without actually telling anybody that they were going to chase Alistair Clarkson. It yeah. was just bizarre. And look, we might touch on it later, but that looks like a, a fair bullet dodged at this point. That's nothing to say that, you know, how we truck was treated was pretty poor, but you know, we won't, I think everyone knows what happens there. We won't, we don't need to litigate it here. I think um, everything that needs to be said has been said in the media or, or on this board already. But we do find ourselves bonds with a new coach. His name is Brad Scott. If you've been living under a rock for the last 48 hours, Brad Scott interviewed on Thursday. Formally, he'd been in contact apparently with the Essendon coaching panel for three weeks. Informally, um, interviewed Thursday morning. Reports came through Thursday night. He'd been hired and a member's email came through and he was formally put in front of the media this morning. I just want to get your initial impressions. Bond's obviously 10 years at North Melbourne, probably overachieved on a couple of occasions, getting them to a couple of prelims when you know, they finished outside the top four, being the AFL GM of footy for the last couple of years. What's your initial impressions on the appointment? 
I don't hate the appointment. He's probably he's probably the way to put it. I, yes. I like the appointment considering the alternatives. I don't think there was much mm. out there to be honest. I mean, I thought Uze was a little bit stiff. I did I did think that that he probably this time last week thought he would have had rights to the job. Sure. So, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, we had a process and we stuck to the process and the process has ended up with, with Brad Scott. And and we are going to touch on it later, you know, despite Kevin Sheedy's best efforts to throw out the, the process and do the, the traditional Essendon <laughs> boys for jobs for boys program, um, oh, wow. you know, at the end of the day, we stuck to a process and we, and we have a new coach. And the thing about him only being interviewed so late in the piece is the reality was he was one of those coaches and I think Ross Lyon was going to be another, Don Pike was going to be another. There were a couple of coaches in that level that had been around substantially before who weren't required to do the early interviews that that Adam Muse, Brendan Lade, I think, did one. Yeah, And, and even James Hurd did one. And the reason James Hurd did, had to do one, even though he coached before, I, I think is pretty obvious. I don't think we really yeah. need to delve into that. But, I mean, the reality is, you know, James doesn't have a great record as a coach he doesn't have runs on the board as a coach really apart from the, the three or four years he spent with us and then that time was was mired in controversy so that is the obvious reason why he didn't get the same privileges that, that brad scott ended up getting and only having to do the one interview and then the thing about oh well we, we interviewed then we uh, um, appoint him straight away well he sounds like he was the last interview so when did, yeah. when, did when did when did people expect us to make the announcement how long how long do you have to wait if, if you've done the interview process and you've got a candidate that stands out and you're happy with the candidate why do you have to wait simply for um, the sake of appearing to take time to make the decision? Yeah, so there's a few things I want to touch on there, but I suppose as soon as Barham said that he they, they were seeking an experienced coach, I think the pool of people just got really small and they try to walk it back a little bit and say, oh, well, we also mean people who are experienced in the industry, guys like Uze and, and senior assistant coaches in the Adam Kingsley or or Craig McRae sort of mould. But I think how late we left it in the season to change coaches really dwindled our options. I think the external review in the background didn't help. You know, I've lost our CEO. The the list manager in Dodoro seemed to be bluing with everyone and anyone at different points in the year. You know, we've only got seven twelfths of a board. So it was going to be really hard to pull the really, really attractive senior assistant coaches, guys like Ash Hansen and other senior assistants, uh, Jamie Graham over at Fremantle, who have been you know running second or third in a lot of jobs, just didn't apply or, or weren't interested. And Adam Uze, the <laughs> There's, uh, I don't know much about coaching panels, but that I think that's the third job he's come second at. That's, you know, our job. JWS, he came really close to Carlton last year. Yeah, I don't know whether it's an interview thing for him, but I think as soon as they said they wanted an, an experienced coach, Brad Scott, Dom Pike, Ross Lyon were always going to be those sorts of guys available. And I don't mind the, the Brad Scott appointment. I will just say that I, I get really frustrated when people say, oh, process, they interviewed him once formally. I, We've got to get this thing out of our head that a thorough process means the process is identical for all the candidates. Thorough just means that you're really detailed about who you interview and how you interview them. You, you were right. You're not going to interview the senior coaches the same way you are the assistants because they're more known. You sort of have a, a greater data bank of evidence. And my, my impression of... Brad Scott is that he's a floor raiser, not necessarily a ceiling raiser. He can 
uh, take a, what seems to be a less talented group in North Melbourne and took them to a reasonable height just based off strong work ethic and fitness and game plan. Is he the guy to take you from fifth or sixth to a premiership? We don't know. I suppose um, we're banking on the fact that his experience at AFL House has given him sort of insight and input into how the game's going to trend and you get ahead of the curve there. But yeah, I, I don't mind the appointment of Brad Scott. One one reservation I do have is I hope we didn't spit out the process and you know if Uze and Scott if Uze was a slightly slightly better candidate than Scott, but Scott was more experienced, so they went with Scott. I hope that wasn't the case. You know, they'll probably argue that experience forms part of the quality of the candidacy. So how do you separate the two? And they would be correct in saying that. But I don't mind the appointment. I think we needed someone not Essendon, someone that um, has runs on the board and experience in a bunch of different areas. And I think Brad's that. And I think the other thing we have to remember is a lot's been made of the fact that he took North to a couple of prelims and a lot's also been made of the fact that, you know, despite doing that, he never won more than 14 games in the year with them. He never actually got them into the top four at the end of the home and away season. But I think if you look at the two seasons in which he took them to the prelims, so he took them in, uh, well, he took one in 2014 where they rolled us in the elimination final. He then got over the top of Geelong um, by a goal in the, the next week when Geelong was seemingly on their last legs. And then, of course, they got blown away by Sydney in the prelim. But, I mean, 2014 Sydney was a very good side. And, and yeah, we, so we sort of – I think everybody sort of forgets because Hawthorne, you know, did the three-peat. But 2014 Sydney went into that grand final red hot. And as we as we saw just last week, Sydney grand finals, for whatever reason it is, it's a seemingly yeah. a mental thing at the moment that they, they hit that grand final and they just freeze. And, and so – you then look at his 2015, which I think actually stacks up better because obviously they they beat Richmond in the uh, elimination final, travelled to travelled to Sydney, beat Sydney up there at Stadium Australia, and then they went over to prelim against West Coast. And everyone sort of goes, "Oh yeah," but you know they lost by 25 points. They kicked a couple of goals late to bring the margin down. They actually, they actually led at quarter time of that game by 20 points. So they actually. West Coast didn't score a goal in the first quarter and North even led at half time. So that they were a real chance of making the grand final that year. So it's not like he's taken a side to a preliminary final and got just got absolutely trounced both times. You know, the second yeah. time round, when they were a little, a little bit more experienced and you know, winning against West Coast, a good West Coast side over in Perth is near on impossible. They got pretty bloody close. So I look at that and go, yeah, okay, it might not have been as great in the home and away season as as perhaps you, you would think when you say two prelims, but he's not as bad as what I think some people are trying to argue either. I think Jade actually made a very good point today. He, he said that he thought Brad Scott was a middling coach, and I think that's a fair call. I think at North Melbourne, he was a very much a middle coach, but you know, there's nothing to say that the second time around, he won't have learned his lessons. Yeah, well, that's what I sort of mean by a floor raiser. Like, he takes you from a really poor team. And look, we are a really poor team. We we struggle to defend. We struggle to move the ball unless there's zero pressure on us. And we've got a, real, a bunch of really young kids. So we need someone to take us from, you know, disorganized and, and not very good this year to a team that at least is competent and has structure. And you look at those North Melbourne. For me, it's not necessarily... 
where he finished, but you look at those North Melbourne teams and you look at them and go, yeah, they've got some good players there, but they have no right to be making prelim finals, like on talent, but the structure and the effort and the coaching got them to that point. I'm, you know, the, the history of experienced coaches second time around isn't great, but there are always exceptions to the rules. You know, Lee Matthews at, at, at Brisbane, although he won a premiership with Collingwood. You know, Mick Malthouse started at the Bulldogs and, you know, made a couple of elimination first semis for the Bulldogs, went to West Coast and won a couple of flags. So it can be done. But I suppose for me with Brad, and he said it, I think it was on SEN, that if the Bombers said to him, if Barham said to him, oh, look, we're looking for a quick bounce back next year, we think we've got a good list, and that's the expectations. He said he probably wouldn't have taken it because he goes, that's fair enough for us to think that, but that might not be realistic. He understands this is going to be a slow burn. I think that's what he, he may not be the next premiership coach, but I think he's the coach we need to lay the foundation for what might be our next premiership team in, you know, three, four, five years time. Who knows how long that is going to be. <laughs> we, we, we already touched on Heard. I, I think... The hysteria around Heard was a bit bizarre, I think. Robbo championed him back in June, and I thought, that can't happen. We said, oh, that can't happen. And then he put his hat in a ring, and he was interviewed. I think you're right. He needed to do the first phase. He hadn't been involved in football for seven years before basically being a a fly-in, fly-out assistant coach for GWS for for what was 12 weeks. It's not quite enough experience to circumvent the first stage of interviews for mine, but I'm not. I'm glad he applied. I'm glad he's feeling mentally in a place that he that he can apply and feel good about it, regardless of the outcome. I'm sort of my heart, my my stupid essence and heart part of it goes. Oh, wouldn't it have been romantic? It would have been Hollywood style if he'd come back and we'd won a flag. But realistically, you know, your head kicks in and goes. But what are the chances? I think Brad's got the better better choice. I think he's the safer choice, and I think that's why we went for a an assistant coach, you know, the last few coaches, you know, truck was speculative. We picked him off our, off our own coaching panel, you know, worst fold was meant to be what Brad Scott's likely to be now, but he really didn't do that role. Heard was a risk before that. So it was bomber. Bomber was cooked sort of when he coached us. So Brad Scott has a, a level of safety there in that we know what we're going to get. And he might well be a, a, our next premiership coach, but at the very least he's going to take us from, from poor to, at least respectable, which I think we need to do before we even start thinking about becoming good. Yeah, you're exactly right, and yeah, we can't we we won't touch too much on, on James because I have no doubt there's plenty of listeners that are disappointed he didn't get the role. But you know, at the end of the day, as you said, his flying fly out assistant coach job is, is sort of the only real exposure he's had to to football at a club level in the past seven or eight years, seven years, seven seasons. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I just don't see how anybody can justify that his tenure at Essen the first time around is enough to get him a job the second time around. That just doesn't make sense to me. You, you can't argue that that James Hurd is an experienced quality AFL coach because the reality is he's not. We don't know what kind of coach he could be like. And, and you know, we could have, he could be the best coach of all time. Yep. But the reality is, unless he's prepared to, to go and do an assistant coaching job somewhere else, he just doesn't have the runs on the board for mine. And and so, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with him because he may very well go off and be an assistant somewhere else. And if he is, that's fantastic. You know, and then maybe four or five years down the time down the line, if Brad Scott doesn't work out and James Hurd's done his apprenticeship, sure. It's, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. But yeah. the reality is at this point in time, 
somebody who has not been around at club level in seven years' time is not qualified to be an AFL coach. And and the thing, the, the telling thing is when you mention this to people who are championing his calls, they always point to his playing career. And I'm sorry, but his playing career is not relevant to his ability to coach. If his yep. name was not James Hurd, if his name was Nathan Buckley, there is no way in hell we would have looked at appointing him this time around. No, 100% agree. And I think we've litigated sort of Hurd enough on the board and here enough. I wanted to talk to you about the other happenings off field at the moment. You know, the, the head coach is but one role at the moment that the Essendon football club has, has open. Um, we've got, I think five board members, board spots open potentially soon to be six, depending on something we'll talk about in a minute, but what are your thoughts on sort of Dave Barham so far? And even though the external review hasn't technically technically claimed the scalp of the, the board members and Xavier Campbell, there's been a lot of change. That first press conference back when Truck was not even sacked, that Friday press conference where he said, oh, yeah, Truck's going to coach this week. But, yeah, we talked to Clarko. It was just an absolute train wreck. The one where we actually removed Truck was probably even worse. Since then, I think actions speak louder than words, and um, he seems to have at least done a fair bit right off the field. Yeah, I think the first impressions you got from from him in his tenure as president weren't, weren't couldn't possibly have been good. They he yeah. he really botched botched his first couple of interviews. I mean the the question about Xavier Campbell is Xavier safe? And he went, well, Xavier's got a contract. And someone said, yeah, well, so does Brent Rutten. And he just didn't know where to look. It was <laughs> a uh, it was a real interesting moment. But I must admit, <laughs> I, I I was skeptical at first. Um, purely because Kevin Sheedy had managed to basically, I suppose, be the puppet master in getting Barham to the presidency. Um, because if you know, he crossed the floor. That was the reason. That was how it all happened. Mm. Um, so I was incredibly skeptical that they would operate outside of the the jobs for boys mantra that happens at Essendon. So I, at that stage, was thinking this is just going to be another train wreck. These guys aren't going to take any notice of what the members want. They're not going to take any notice of what the last 20 years has been like because, you know, Kevin Sheedy's done a lot for the Eston Football Club and he's a champion of the Eston Football Club, but he hasn't been at a successful football club for nearly 20 years. And, and that's, and that's you know, he just hasn't moved into the modern game. So when I thought that Barron was going to be a puppet of Kevin Sheedy's, I was incredibly critical of him and I was incredibly concerned. But as it turns out, I, was, I, I went a little bit too hard on him early, I think, because as we've seen... Today, with um, Sheedy's meltdown in the Herald Sun about the fact that the board went against him when he wanted to throw the process out the window and give the job to James Hurd, um, <laughs> it, it clearly that clearly the, the the current members of the board, the the six other members that we have, aren't going to be Kevin Sheedy puppets. Which you know, and, and look, I, I'm, it's, it's a little bit mean to say Kevin Sheedy puppets because not just he's not he's not the only one I think been a problem you know you can probably guess who i'm going to say the next problem is but adrian dodoro has been another one that i think has just been there too long and has too much influence so again i was concerned that he was going to lean on his friendship with with sheedy and several others and manage to weasel his way through and and get you know james in, into the job because then jane he'd keep his job because james won't step out against him there are rumors now that he won't get past the end of trade week so or, or even sorry draft so once the draft is done there are reports that he may very well be gone which i think would be a great breath of fresh air to the club but at the same time if not if he stays i'm a little bit less skeptical of him staying now purely because it seems that the borough and his current board are not going to bow down to the boys club 
Yeah, a fair bit to unpack in that, but I think the external review is still ongoing, so I'll, I'll wait to comment on the external review and its outcomes, but at least we're, we're acting in a very unessendent way, which is refreshing. I, I don't even know if it's going to turn out well, but acting the essendent way and doing what Sheedy wanted, which is putting in herd because um, he was an essendent person, and even his comments like, what was it? Yeah. He's not an Essendon person. People from outside Essendon coming and appointing him. Like that's that's every Essendon fan's worst fear hearing that from your board member. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, my thoughts on Byron was it was a terrible start, but actions are speaking louder than words at the moment. We will just touch on Sheedy. Do you think he survives as a board member? I think he's got to go. They've been preaching this unified board thing since the external review was announced. You're never going to have 100% agreement with the board, but you can't have guys stepping out and saying, oh, just for the record, I wanted heard, and it should have been heard because how dare these people from outside Essendon pick someone that's not an Essendon person. Like, if you're Brad Scott, you're sitting there going, what the actual hell? Like, what is going on? I'm less than two hours into being coach officially and Kevin Cheese already stepping out wide anting me. I, I, I don't know how he survives as a board member. Yeah. So because he is a member elected board member, it's actually not easy to get rid of him. Um, he, oh, I actually had, I had, did have a look through our constitution today, which you can find on, online if anyone wants to Google it. And, and essentially it, it appears that unless he voluntarily goes we can't actually force him out. Now, whether or not Kevin Sheedy does have enough sense that plenty of people seemingly now want him gone, I don't know. So getting rid of him is not actually an easy task at all. But I, I agree with you. I, I don't think you can stay if less than, I don't know, what was it, two hours after the board has presented United Front in appointing a coach, you come out and blow it up. <laughs> I just don't yeah. I, I just don't see how how you... You, you, you stay on, especially since the other thing that sort of blew me away. And look, I appreciate that these board members have their, have lives and 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 they 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 can't just stop everything for the Essendon Football Club. But the stuff that's been happening, the turmoil at Essendon at the moment, and and the most public board member we have, and at the end of the day, he's the most public board member we have. He's overseas. He's taken off. He's not even in the country. Yeah. So I read about how, that. That's how, how crazy. Much, how, yeah, so, so how, how committed to the club is he? Because Kevin Sheedy of 20 years ago, if you told him or if, if you said to him, you're going to go overseas while we appoint you know, anything, he would have laughed in your face. There's just no way that Kevin Sheedy of 20 years ago would have gone overseas in such a turbulent point of the football club. So, yeah, I was a little, a little bit bemused by that as well. But as I said, you know, at the end of the day, they have they have lives, and he's earned his time. To, he's earned his, his his off time, I suppose. But you know, he they certainly could have just delayed his trip. I thought for a couple of weeks. But yeah, so at the end of the day, oh, I think he probably does need to go. But whether or not he will, I think is a uh, completely different question. It'll be an interesting forty-eight hours, I think. Yeah, I think if he goes, if he doesn't go in the next forty-eight hours, I think he just waits it out. But. I'm not so worried about him being overseas because he can do board stuff overseas. My, my worry is if he's going to do this and step out the way he has to do it from overseas and just write to the Herald Sun saying, this is what I think, make sure you publish it. Like, I other than causing division or just you know, seeking attention, there's no there's no upshot to it. There's no benefit. If you want James to know you voted for him, tell like, send him a text or call him. I don't understand what the public show of support is meant to do other than white ant the guy 
um, <laughs> that we've appointed. Now we'll go sort of broader than the Essen Football Club. Not we don't normally talk about other clubs, Bont, but I think as far as bringing the game into distribute level scandals, I feel like as Essendon supporters, we have authority to speak on the situation, if not on a legal sense and purely as a fan. What's going on at Hawthorne? It, it seems quite remarkable now. If you've been living under a bigger rock than what I mentioned before with the Brad Scott news, um, there's obviously been uh, the allegations of systematic racism in how certain members of the senior members of the Hawthorne football staff from 2010 to 2016 dealt with uh, people of First Nations heritage, namely, you know, the allegations of separating them from partners and family and children. Uh, the most serious allegation being uh, the coercion of a young Indigenous man to convince his wife to terminate a planned and wanted pregnancy, um, which I, I say out loud and sort of can't believe it. It's obviously Fagan and Clarkson have been stood down. There's been various statements made by Fagan, Clarkson, um, Hawthorne Football Club and the ABC later th- this afternoon. Bond Seuss is an absolute mess. What have you made of really the last week? Um, and all the things happening at Hawthorne. Well, the pro- I think I think the thing we have to tr- try and remember is at the moment is it's not really going to impact Hawthorne if Clarkson and Fagan are found to be guilty. So, so I think for a start, it'll be interesting to see how the AFL reacts because Hawthorne and and really through no through no efforts of their own except for maybe Clarkson because they didn't move Fagan on. He he voluntarily left. The current Hawthorne Football Club is not really at fault here, I suppose, to put it. But you can't, I I don't see how you you can not punish them in some way, shape or form. Now, whether that be through a fine or or, uh, draft picks, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know. And it's it's a really tricky one for the AFL because if I was a Hawthorne fan, I I think I'd be turning around and saying, well, Clarkson and Fagan are gone. Burt's gone as well, as well as, as has, as has um, Andrew Newbold. Andrew, yeah, he's he who is now obviously the AFL, which is an interesting little twist in its own, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a tough one. I think North Melbourne, I actually feel for North Melbourne as a club because, again, through no fault of their own, I mean, you can talk about, you know, did they do the correct governance? But, I mean, if this issue has been around for seven years and never been picked up, no, no amount of governance in the world is going to be able to get it, is it? You, you, you don't yeah, you, uh, you don't go and interview each and every individual player when you're doing a, a coaching appointment. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it was just horrible to read. It was just horrifying to read. It really was. And I think, I mean, Damien Barrett today has, and I was, I was listening, and I, and I think he said it also in his sliding doors, column but he he said that you know this is actually going to be worse or should be considered worse than the Essendon scandal it it Mm. really should be now a lot of people out there are going to disagree with that especially the Hawthorne fans and and seemingly North Melbourne fans at the moment who I I did make a point on on uh, the main board earlier but it got deleted because um the poster I was replying to got got deleted and and copped a card I actually said that uh, North Melbourne fans would have made very good Essendon fans around 2013 because they are going very hard at there's nothing to see here we need to wait and see (laughs) how dare dare we do this you must listen to both sides of the story and at the end of the day I don't really need to listen to Alistair Clarkson's story because there has to be some truth to this and you can't have three players separately tell very similar stories and then turn around and go, well, it's all crap. Like, yeah. well, I mean, why they, Why would these guys make this up now? And these emails that, that have come out clearly prove that 
they were it was happening at the time. Yeah, so contemp- contemporaneous records, which is what they then um emails are a lot of people have been calling them smoking guns i I wouldn't call them that putting the evidence hat on it's that they're strong circumstantial evidence and they show that the sort of survivor or memory bias so the idea that you you remember things worse over time you exaggerate elements of your story over time aren't true in this case because the recollections are almost identical but it's interesting Hawthorne and North Melbourne fans going, oh, due process, due process. Um, and the AFL going, due process, due process. And Essendon fans are going, where was that in 2013? I would like to think that the AFL looked at 2013, what happened with us and gone, if this ever happens again, we're not going to balls it up like we did there. But obviously the, the presumption of innocence is really important here. And I know that's a legal principle, but natural justice is a thing. Um, natural procedure and process is a thing. But it gets to a point where, for me, even if the worst allegation isn't true, so the the coercion regarding the termination of a pregnancy, you're talking about Hawthorne, you know, what are their liability here? Their liability is if there was a system, and it, Andrew Newbold, I didn't see the email, my assistant responded up for me. I'm sorry, if Hawthorne's way of dealing with these allegations at the time was through a CEO who said he wasn't equipped to deal with it, a head coach, a football manager, and a senior assistant at the time who were doing this sort of with no checks and balances, that's a systemic problem within your club. And your club is like, what what that liability looks like, you're right. I don't know what that looks like. It's not a court of law. So the, the balance of probabilities or beyond reasonable doubt aren't the measures in which we prove it. But, you know... And it's not just three players. I think they interviewed 25 and there were more than three players that had really harrowing experience. The three that were put in the report and put in the ABC article were just the ones that were willing to come forward publicly. So this will be really interesting. This isn't going to blow away in a couple of months like Gillen McLaughlin wants. This is going to be a six to eight month process. If they're co- if Fagan and Clarkson are coaching round one, I'll be stunned. Yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, I think Fagan may be okay because from what I understand is it seems like Fagan may have been in the room but may not have necessarily said this, said what has been claimed to have been said. Now, I'm not saying that excuses his behaviour, but it does lead me to think that he may be okay, may get us, maybe he'll get, you know, 10-game suspension that's back, that's you know, back time served, all that sort of thing because I, I don't think he's going to, coach round one but but i don't see how clarkson coaches ever again I, I i just if any of these allegations any of them it doesn't matter which one any of these allegations are true as far as i can see alistair clarkson doesn't doesn't coach again and and the abc today also just quickly did come out with a pretty blunt and polite go fuck yourself to a lot <laughs> of people who are saying the due process wasn't followed and you need to give them a chance to respond because they, they've come out and said we did give them a chance to respond they chose not to we, we told them about it we even then said to them, you don't have to respond now. If you want more time, we'll delay the publish publication. Nobody got back to them. So stiff shit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. So a lot to play out in that front. Well, Bont, it's been good to catch up. It's good to finally have a, a new head coach after six weeks of waiting. Uh, we might look to do another pot or two over the next couple of months through trade, free agency, and um, maybe a a more formal review pod, but uh, just thanks for hopping on again. It's been great to chat. Thanks, mate. It's been good.
All right, no worries. That's uh, this special edition episode of the Bombercast for the Brad Scott appointment. Obviously, um, share, like, and tell your mates to subscribe. Uh, we'll be back soon. Don't know when, but thanks for listening. Oh, 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 o